Okay, we're going to begin here on the top of Chedem and Aleph, the two dots. Before we start the Gemara, just a little bit of background in terms of the Gemara. The first thing is Pythagorean's theorem, which everyone's familiar with to learn in school, which is that when you have a right triangle, it's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. The Gemara itself has a calculation along those lines, discussed it in numerous places. The Gemara in numerous places says that if you have a right triangle that is one ama by one ama, the hypotenuse is one and two-fifths. That would be the hypotenuse. The calculation is pretty close, which is that if you actually take the square root of two, it comes out to be 1.4142. So the Gemara is giving you one and two-fifths, which is 1.4. Missing rounding error is that 0.0142. That's the rounding error. But as you get to bigger numbers, obviously it's going to have a bigger impact, that rounding error. So just be aware of the fact that we're going to have some rounding error today in the Gemara based on that. The Gemara thinks the Pythagorean theorem works on the right triangle that's one by one. is going to end up with the hypotenuse of one and two-fifths. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the Gemara is here going to talk about a cylindrical bin that falls down into the Rishut Rabim. The opening is a circle. What the Gemara is trying to determine over here is once you have a circular opening, I need to fit a space of 4 by 4 Tfachim inside of it. So if I have the opening of the bin as circular, then how do I fit a square of 4 by 4 inside of that? Now again, that deals with if you have a triangle, or if you have a square, if you inscribe a square inside of a circle, then the cross, the diagonal of that square will be equivalent to the diameter of the circle. So if I have a square that's four by four, then whatever the diameter is will be determined by Pythagorean's theory. You could take it at four and four. The Gemara will say that if I have four by four, then the third side is four times one and two-fifths. So four times four, one and two-fifths turns out to be five and three-fifths. So the Gemara will think the diameter of that side is five and three-fifths. Again, that's 5.6. In reality, it's closer to 5.65 because, again, the 0.0142 now multiplied by four is rounded out 0.05. You're going to have that rounding error. So that's five and three-fifths. That five and three-fifths is the diameter of the circle. Based on that, the Gemara is now going to make some calculations just giving you this as background so that when we go through it, it will be easier to understand. So Maguire begins here. I'm going to buy it. Sarak Kaveret. He throws some sort of bin cylindrical item into the Rishut Rabim. Gvayud. This bin, this Kaveret is ten tfachim high. But it is not six wide in its diameter. The diameter is less than six. Chayav. In that instance, you will be Chayav. Because what you threw is a chayfetz, is an object. And how you threw an object from a shuti yachid to a rishut rabim. Rachvavav, on the other hand, if the diameter of the opening of the bin is six tvachim wide, then you are patur. The reason you're patur is because instead of throwing an object, you threw a rishut. You threw a full rishut yachid. You threw something that is ten tvachim high, and having a circle with diameter of six tvachim will give you a space of 4 by 4 tfachim that you can inscribe the square inside of this circle. Obviously, this is off. We already said that it is 5 and 3 fifths, not 6. We'll have to deal with that in one second. But based on that, if it is the minimum of 6 tfachim in diameter, you've thrown a reshut yachid into the reshut rabim. Not a chayf, it's not an object, but the whole reshut into the reshut rabim. As Rashi points out, that in the Mish- we've learned everything out, especially with hotza'ah, as we mentioned before, because it's a melacha grua, we learned it out from the mishkan. And the Mishkan Gamrinan, Shayuzorkim Achtehem Bimlachtan, Zelazed. They used to throw their needles back and forth. 
between them. Those are objects. It's a little problematic what Rashi describes over here because Gemara later on in the Mesechta says that the reason that you're not allowed to throw objects back and forth is a halacha the Moshe Messinai. This was the Gemara's Havamina, that it was because on Tzadik Vavam and Bet, that was the Gemara's Havamina that they threw back and forth. The Gemara ends up concluding that it's a halacha the Moshe Messinai. But based on that, you're only chayav for throwing objects. You are not chayav for throwing rishuyot, which is what ends up happening here. If you get the bin or the cylindrical object here to be big enough, it becomes a rishut. Rishut yachid, we know, is ten tvachim high and four by four tvachim in terms of its width and length. So the Gemara is assuming here that if the diameter of the circle is six tvachim, then you have a rishut. Now we did the calculation already, even based on the Gemara's numbers, and that comes out to be five and three-fifths, which would be the height of Pidonus or the diameter, not six tefachim. Rashi comments on that right away and says that the Gemara was not exact over here. It was the Chumra. Rounding by rounding the Chumra. And that you have to get up to six tefachim to be a Rashi Yechid. But Rashi said to Abal, If the object had a diameter of five and three-fifths, he would not bring a Korban Chatat anymore. Because Minat Torah, you've already crossed into a Rashi Yechid, and having Rizarek Rashut. Round it up to six, the chumrah, to tell you that you're still chayav in that case. As Rashi points out, the threshold will be five and three-fifths, not the six. That's the way Rashi deals with Tosafot quotes the Rach. Rabbeinu Hanana deals with the issue in a different way. He says, well, you made a mistake here because you forgot the diameter of the walls of the Kli. That it's true that this Kli is six tefachim wide, but that includes the rim. That includes the width of the walls around and he claims that the width of the walls is two-fifths. If the width of the walls is two-fifths, then the inner airspace is five and three-fifths, which is the diameter that you're searching for. Tosafot quotes this Rabbeinu Hanano, and he rejects it in the end. He brings proofs to the fact that that's not the case, and he thinks that Rashi is right. Rashi is right that it's all a rounding issue, and not that the walls are two-fifths thick. I mean, they're really, the walls are one-fifth thick on each side, which will give you two-fifths in total. And that would give you the five and three-fifths diameter that you're looking for by only including the airspace, not including the rim of the Kli. But suppose it says that's not the case here, you should include the entire width of the Kli. Now in terms of the height of the Kli, we include the entire tent fachim of the Kli, including the base of the Kli here. When we're considering the Rishut over here, we don't look at the internal space. Even according to the Rebbein Ochanano, we look at the height of the Kli from the outside. It means it's got to be tent fachim high, from the outside of the cleave, from the rim of the cleave to the base of the cleave, not looking at the airspace on the inside. So according to Rashi, that's all consistent. We don't look at the base of the cleave, we don't look at the rim of the cleave. It's going to be six wide, ten high. It's irrelevant, because we saw that before, with the house. Remember when you had the house, and it only had nine tvachim on the inside, but ten on the outside, on top of it is classified as a rishut yachid. So the rishut is a rishut yachid. according to that, with ten tvachim high on the outside, six tvachim high wide, and again, the sixth vachim is either because you don't include the rim, or going to Rashi, because it's a rounding error, it's really five and three-fifths. So then, we have the statement of Rava now. Rava, ma'ara, fidu patur. Even if it's not sixth vachim wide, you're patur, my taima. Yivshar the krumiot shelkaneh, shelo ya'alu l'malom yasara. So there's no way that this kli, this kveret that is made, will not have some projections or something sticking out of it. You're assuming right now that it's going to be exactly 10 tefachim high by 6 tefachim wide, and that's how you get your Rishut HaYachid. He says, wait a minute, you can never 
have it be that it's exactly ten tefachim high. Because when it's ten tefachim high, you're going to have some sort of kaneh, rod, cane, or if it's a woven basket, whatever the object is here, there's going to be something that projects outward. Why does that make a difference? That makes a difference because of the ten tefachim. Right now, we have an object that is ten tefachim high, and... 4 by 4 tvachim wide, based on describing the square inside of the mouth of the Kli. The Kli then can land entirely in the Rishut HaRabim. But what happens if it's more than 10 tvachim high? If it's more than 10 tvachim high, the object will not land inside the Rishut HaRabim. Because the Rishut HaRabim, as we've seen before, only goes up to 10 tvachim. If you land an object beyond the Rishut HaRabim, it's not in the Rishut HaRabim. And that's what Rabba's statement is. The cave in the Lonecha Kula Rishut Rabim, as Rashi says, since the entire thing did not land in Rishut Rabim, Lobe Hanacha Lechyuve. That's not called Hanacha. You have to have an Akira and then an Anacha. The Anacha only works if the entire object lands in Rishut Rabim. If the object's taller than 10 Tfachim, if there's anything projecting out of it, anything outside of that 10 Tfachim, then the object is taller than the Rishut Rabim. By being, by being taller than the Rishut Rabim, it can never land in the Rishut Rabim if it lands standing up. Land standing up, then it's at least 10 tefachim plus high, and it'll be outside the Shudar Bim. If it lands on its side, obviously it could land in the Shudar Bim, because then it'd only be 6 tefachim wide, and then it could fit into the Shudar Bim. But by landing upright, Rava says there's no way that you're going to be chayv on a kli that is 10 tefachim high, because of these projections. Abaye agrees in principle to Rava's position, that if it was more than 10 tefachim, it wouldn't be considered to be in the Shudar Bim. He just believes you don't have these projectiles or these extensions from the Kli that stick out that make it more than 10 Tfachim. So he thinks the whole object or the whole Kli can land in the Rishut Arabim. Kalfa Pia. Now, if you threw the object or dropped the object by putting it face down, so far we've had the object land and we assume that it landed on its base. What happens if it comes in face down? Now, if it comes in face down, we now enter a new issue into the puzzle, which is, the Gemara says, if you have that... Then, shiva'u mashu chayav. If the kli is seven and a little more, you'll be chayav for landing in Rishut Rabim. Shiva'u mechsa, if it's seven and a half, patur. At that point, you are patur. Ravashi Amar, avilu shiva'u mechsa chayav. says, even seven and a half, you're chayav. Maitama, michitzot, lutochan asuyot. Michitzot are made for the internal side, not the external side. What's happening over here is when the object is thrown, and it comes over face down. As it comes over face down, we have the walls are acting as the mechitzot. We have a principle in halachah called lovut. That means if you're within three tefachim of the ground, it's considered as if you're attached to the ground. So now, instead of having to have a kli that is ten tefachim high, if I have a kli that's seven tefachim high, kli that's seven tefachim high plus the three tefachim in lovut, that would make you a mechitza of ten tefachim. That would be chayav. The problem becomes if... At that point, I had a little more to the Kli. If I add a little more to the Kli, then I'm within three Tfachim of the ground, and the Kli is not below the threshold of a Shuta Rabim. Shuta Rabim is ten Tfachim high, and as the Kli comes into land, it's going to have Mechitzot, including the Lavud, that make it as if it's landed before it crossed or cleared the ten Tfachim of a Shuta Rabim. And that's what's happening over here. So seven and Masho, you're going to be Chayav, because the seven plus the three of Lavud, but you have to enter those three Tfachim in order for them to count. It has to be less than three Tfachim. So that Masho will make it less than three Tfachim, and then you'll have a Kli that is entirely landing in the Shut Rabim. If you have seven, as Rashi says, two Mashahus, it doesn't really have to be seven and a half. Rashi says seven and a half, again, is a rounding here. But seven and two Mashahus, then it's as if the Kli landed outside of the Shut Rabim. 
The first mashu puts you within three tefachim of the ground. The second mashu says that the kli now landed before it cleared the ten tefachim of Shutter Rabin. Because the seven plus the mashu plus the lavud makes it ten tefachim high. That additional little bit puts the kli above the ten tefachim of Shutter Rabin, and it hasn't landed in Shutter Rabin. That's what the Gemara says here. If the kli is seven and a half tefachim high, it's coming face down and landing in the Rishut Rabim. You are not going to be Chayav. That's the way Rashi explains it. Tosafot over here points out. Rashi says that the focus of the here is the Mechitzot, or the walls of the Kli. And since the walls of the Kli are considered or classified as Mechitzot, number one, Tosafot says, the diameter of the opening is still six Tavachim wide. The diameter of the opening is supposed to be six Tavachim wide because you want to have Mechitzot. Mechitzot only exists if you have a space of four by four Tavachim on the inside. So Tosafot says that the Gemara is continuing with the original assumption that we're talking about the Kli, that's a minimum of six Tavachim wide. It has to be six Tavachim wide in order to create the Mechitzot. The number two thing that we have over here is that when it comes to the Mechitzot that are coming down, we're focused on the walls of the Kli. And since we're focused on the walls of the Kli, we are Loam Rinan, Lavud, We only say Lavud with Mechitzot. Therefore, when the Kli landed base down, when the bottom of the Kli was coming down, we don't say Lavud. Because Lavud's not applicable over there because you have a Kli that's landing on its base. The only thing Lavud is applicable is when it's coming down face down because the Mechitzot are the walls of the Kli. And then you can have a principle of Lavud apply. For that reason, Tosvot says... I disagree slightly with Rashi. Rashi is counting the seven or seven and two mashus from the base of the Kli. Tosvot says over here that it would have to be internal airspace of the Kli. Here you would not count the base of the Kli. You need real mechitzot that are seven plus. And that would exclude the base of the Kli. So Tosvot says over here, the seven and a half, it's not clear what Tosvot says. It really, according to Rashi, and it seems tr- true, is that you only need seven and two mashus. Might be according to Tosfot, the seven and a half clears the base of the Kli. Seven and a half with the base of the Kli gives you internal mechitzot that are seven plus two mashus. And therefore you be chayav. But Tosfot says you exclude the base of the Kli from the calculation. It's the internal airspace of the mechitzot because everything depends on mechitzot here. And it's only a mechitzot for what is encapsulated in the airspace. The base of the Kli doesn't count towards those mechitzot. Rashi doesn't seem to make that distinction. And according to Rashi, it seems like that the base of the Kli would count towards the 7 plus and it coming down. So there is a machloket Rashi and Tosafot here as to how much of the mechitzot have to be here. Is it mechitzot with the base? That's, tos, uh, that's Rashi. Or is it mechitzot without the base, which is Tosafot? It seems that they both would agree that you at least need that 4 by 4 of the minimum length width which would mean that the circle has to be at least six tvachim round, that means five and three-fifths of diameter, in order for this to be chayav in mechitzot. Rav Ashi disagrees, and Rav Ashi says, the walls of the kli are not made to create the mechitzot. The walls of the kli are made for internal purposes. They're made to hold items within the kli. They're not made to be boundaries to the outside or create mechitzot. And so Rav Ashi says this whole thing fails, not because you're, you don't have the requisite measurements, but because you don't have mechitzot here. If you don't have mechitzot, we're back to stage one, which means that it has to be a minimum of 10 plus in order not to land in the Rishut Rabim. But if it's less than 10, then it can land in the Rishut Rabim, and you will be chayaf. According to Ravashi, correct. It won't count unless it meets the requisite 10th fachim, 
That would be if it was right side up. It wouldn't matter whether it was right side up or upside down. You need the 10 Tfachim high plus the 6 diameter that the Gemara is demanding over here. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Amar Amud Tisha Birshut Rabim. If you have a post that is 9 Tfachim high in Birshut Rabim, Virabim Mekatfim Alav. And people adjust their loads on it. Because it's that height, it's a proper height either to lean on, to rest on, or to adjust your load on it. Vizarak, and a person throws an object, al gabav, and it lands on top of this pillar, beam, whatever it is that's standing in the Rishut Rabim. There he is, Chayav. Oh, he's Chayav. Even though, over here, it's not easy for the Rishut Rabim to use it. We said before, in order to be part of the Rishut Rabim, you have to be less than three Tvachim off the ground. Here's something that's nine Tvachim off the ground, and we're counting it as part of the Rishut Rabim. So the Gemara explains that now, my time Pochod Mishlosha. Anything that's less than three tachim, midras darsile rabim, is trampled, is traversed by the rabim, and therefore it's included as part of the rishut rabim. That's what we discussed yesterday. We discussed some of the exceptions to that, if there are things that people won't trample on. Or, again, some of the Rishonim mentioned lovewood over there, that even though they're not trampled on because of lovewood, they are considered part of the rishut rabim. But you have to be under three tachim to be considered part of the topography of the rishut rabim. Mishloshava tisha, from three until nine, low midras darsile, below tufe mikatfile. People do not use those objects. Between three and nine tvachim, they don't trample on it, but they also don't use it to rest on or to adjust their loads on. Therefore, they are not part of their shutarabim. Depending on their size, they will then be either a carmelite or a makom tour, depending on how wide it is. If it's four by four tvachim, it'll be a carmelite. Less than four by four tvachim, it'll be a makom tour. Tisha vaday mikatfine when it comes to nine tvachim, that's an area that's used by the rabim. Since it's utilized by the rabim, it becomes a part of the rishut rabim, even though it doesn't meet the requisite size of a rishut. So even though it's not four by four, it's not three because of the rishut rabim, it becomes a part of the rishut rabim, and therefore you are going to be chayav on it. But that's only if it's upwards, nine tvachim upwards. We discussed before that there's also going downwards, and that's the Gemara's next question. I'm going to buy the rabbi safe. Gumamai. What happens if you have a dish or a depression in the Rishut Rabim? If it's less than three Tvachim, it's a part of the Rishut Rabim. What happens if you have a depression that is nine Tvachim deep? Do we now say that it's part of the Rishut Rabim or the utility of the Rishut Rabim? So Rabbi Yosef says, He says, Guma has the same din. So nine down and nine up are the same. The Rishut Rabim utilizes both of them. Rabbi Amar, Begumalo. We're talking about a depression. We're talking about a ditch. No, my taima. That's not normal usage. That's a difficult way to use it. People aren't going to utilize a guma in that way. We're talking about something that's upright or extends upwards in the Shut Rabim. That has ease of use. When you're talking about a depression, whether it's that you have to lean over and put something down in there, or that you actually descend into the ditch and then use the sides, in the Rishut Rabim itself, as the place to reload or to adjust your load. Either way, that's not an easy way to do it. You have to make exerted effort or extra effort to do that. And because of that, it's not considered to be part of the Rishut Rabim. So Rebbe will distinguish between nine Tvachim down where it's no, and nine Tvachim up where it is yes. Now then Rav Yosef says no difference. The same is true both up and down. Here's a basket inside of the Shutter Abim that is four Tfachim wide and ten Tfachim high. You can't move objects from it to the Shutter Abim and from the Shutter Abim into it because 
it is a private domain. It's a four by four tent fachim. That is a private domain, Rishut Yachid. So you can't move objects from Rishut Yachid to a Rishut Rabim. Pachot Mikain, if it's less than that, Mitaltalim, then you can't move objects back and forth. Vichain Biguma. And the same is true by a Guma. It is. The first case is not a question. The question is Pachot Mikain, if you're less than that, that you could move objects back and forth. It's not so Pshita because if you don't meet the requisite size to be a Rishut Yachid, then you're allowed to move the objects back and forth. Well, Carmelites would not be allowed to, because you're not allowed to move from a Carmelite to a Shudra Abim. Here you'd have to say, and Rashi says this, Vim Tomar Pachot Miyud Baruch Vadalad Carmeliti. So, wait a minute. If it's less than 10, and it's still 4 by 4 that's a Carmelite. The Rabbanim were Gozer, you're not allowed to move from a Carmelite into a Shudra Abim, or a Shudra Abim into a Carmelite. Rashi says over here, Lo Gozer Rabbanan Lubutulei Mitord Kelim Hold the Klihu. Rashi says it's a unique case of Carmelite. Currently, when it reaches 10 Tfachim 4x4, it becomes a Rishut Yachid. That's not a question. It's Movatalet from being a Kli into a Rishut. But when it comes to a Rishut de Rabbanan, a rabbinic domain, they will not change an object that's a Kli into a Rishut. And therefore, if it's less than 10 Tfachim 4x4, why it will not be a Carmelite? It will be defined as a Makom Ptur. And therefore, you can carry back and forth from the object to the Rishut Rabim or the Rishut Rabim to the object. So this is an exception to the rule of Carmelite. It's an important exception that a Kali will not become a Carmelite and therefore will be mutar to move back and forth from the Kali into the Shuta Rabim or the Shuta Rabim into the Kali, even though it has the dimensions of what otherwise would have been a Carmelite. B'chein biguma. This is what the Gemara is after. It's the same as true with a depression or a ditch. My love, a seifa. It's going on the latter half of the Brita. If you go on the latter half of the Brita, that says that something that's less than 9 Tvachim lower, it's considered to be a part of the Shittar Abim because you can go back and forth. If that's the case, that goes against what Rabbah said before. Rabbah said before that 9 Tvachim down is only Tashmishah Yidei Dachak. It's a difficult usage and therefore it's not classified as a Shittar Abim. So when it says, love, a Seifa lo, a Reisha, it's the Chayim Guma is going on the Reisha part of it. If the ditch or the depression is 10 Tvachim deep and 4 by 4 wide, then it is a Rishut Yachid, and you can't move things back and forth between the Rishut Rabim and the Rishut Yachid, or Rishut Yachid and Rishut Rabim. So the Chayim Guma is only modifying the first half of the Braita, not the second half of the Braita, and therefore it will not be a question on Rava. Eight we have another question. Nitkaven lishbot birshut Rabim so, this is a case of Eruv, which we'll get to in Eruvin. In Eruv, there's something called Eruv Tchumin. Eruv Tchumin is the ability for you to set your residence on Shabbat in a different location. But what's the benefit of setting your residence in a different location? Wherever your residence is for Shabbat, you're only allowed to move 2,000 amot in every direction. Now, if you're within a city, you get 2,000 amot from the outskirts of the city. There's the city plus the periphery of the city, and then you get 2,000 amot beyond that. So if you're within the city confines, then you get the entire perimeter of the city plus an extra perimeter outside of it, and then the 2,000 amot start. But let's just take, for example, a place that you are a single house, not a city. You get 2,000 amot from wherever you are. What happens if you need to go more than 2,000 amot in every direction? You're allowed to establish what's called an Arab Tchumim. You're allowed to establish your residence by putting down a meal in another location that is reachable from where you are now. It has to be reachable from where you are now based on the new residence. The Arab has to be within 2,000 amot of where you are now. And then that new residence will establish your residence there and then will give you the opportunity to move beyond where you are right now. Again, all the details will come to an Arabin, just giving you the information now. The Arab Tchumim has to be in place when Shabbat enters. When Shabbat starts, the Arab has to be in place. And the Arab has to be accessible to you when Shabbat enters. 
So now, this is the case here. It's got in the Shpot Rishut Rabin. He wants to have a residence in Rishut Rabin. And he put his Eruv above ten Tvachim in the boar. Eruvo Eruv. Then his Eruv works. Now, above ten Tvachim means less than ten Tvachim. Because we're talking about a depression in the ground. So above means that you're less than ten. So he put it less than ten Tvachim away from the ground, the Rishut uh, Rabin. Then his Eruv works. If it's below 10, it means 10 plus. Then his Eruv is not an Eruv. Because you're moving then from a Rishut Yachid, where your Eruv is, and you're in the Rishut Rabin. You can't bring your Eruv to where you are located. If that's the case, then you are not establishing a residence, because you can't access the meal that makes your residence. Say, what's the case here? So the Gemara says, says that the, the boar itself is static. It has 10 Tfachim deep. Ulamala, what does it mean that you placed it in there above ten tefachim? The delay, the otve, that you hung it above ten tefachim into the boar. Ulamata, what does lamata mean? Ditatai, the otve. You placed it at the bottom of the boar. So the question of where the Eruv is is not about the size of the boar, it's about where the object is within the boar. When it says, Mali lamala, Mali lamata. What's the difference where the object is within the boar? Hubimakum echad. He's in one location, and the Eruv is in a different location. The boar is a Rishut Yachid. The entire boar is a Rishut Yachid. Once a boar is ten Tfachim deep, and four by four, that's a requisite for being a Rishut Yachid, anything that's within the boar, from the rim of the boar down, is Rishut Yachid. It doesn't matter where you place the object within the boar, it's irrelevant where it is within the boar. It's all in a Rishut Yachid, and it doesn't work. Elalav, so you must explain the bracha that we just brought, Berbor, the lake Be'asara. That the case when we said that it was higher than 10 Tvachim, meaning above or less than 10 Tvachim, that was a case where the board does not have 10 Tvachim in it. Biktani, Eruvo, Eruv. That is, Eruv is an Eruv. Alma, Tashmish, Yedei Dechak, Shmei Tashmish. That says that that type of utilization is considered a utilization, it's part of Rishut Rabim. If it's part of Rishut Rabim, that means that you have access to your Eruv. You're in the Rishut Rabim. Your Eruv's in the Rishut Rabim. You have access to it. So therefore, that's a question on Rabba. Now, we, that same nature as the question before we asked on Rabba. Before we asked on Rabba, if you say V'chein Beguma, that means that the ninth Fachim is classified like a Rishut Rabim. If it's classified like a Rishut Rabim, that means that if you move back and forth, then we're not worried about it. You can move from the Rishut Rabim to it, in, it into the Rishut Rabim. So the, over there, the, he answered, no, no, it was modifying the ratio. And there, when we say that it's a Rishut Yachid, that means Bechein Guma. Guma has a Rishut Yachid. Guma never has the status of a Rishut Rabim. So he could get away with that over there because there was a Rish and a Seifa. Over here, there's only one dimension over here and it, it's saying that it is good to be a Rishut Rabim. So the Gemara said, sometimes he answered this way, Who ve'iruvu be'karmalit. He and his Eruv are in a Karmalit. They're both in a Karmalit. The Eruv's are now in a Karmalit because, as we said before, if you're 4 by 4 Tzvachim and less than 10, that's a Karmalit. Over here, we're not talking about a Kli. So over here, there is a Karmelit. So you, the, the Eruv is found in a Karmelit, and he, above, is also a Karmelit. It's not a Rishut Rabim, it's a Karmelit. Of Amai Karelei Rishut Rabim. So why do they call it a Rishut Rabim? The Fainish ain't a Rishut Yachid. It's not a Rishut Yachid, therefore I call it a Rishut Rabim. But it's not really a Rishut Yachid, it's a Karmelit. So he's in a Karmelit, his Eruv is in a Karmelit, now you're in the same location. So that's fine. The Zimne Mishalele, the other times he gave this answer, which is a stronger answer. He's in a Rishut Rabim. His Eruv is in a Karmelit. That's a Rabbinic Rishut. So the restriction from moving the object from the boar 
to the Rishut Rabim is simply rabbinic in nature. That makes a difference, Benesh Mashot. For Rabbi, Rabbi's of the opinion, Damar Kodavar Shum Mishum Shvut, anything that is a Din de Rabbanan, that is a problem is Shvut. Shvut here means that the Rabbanan said that this is the proper way to keep Shabbat, to rest, to desist from this type of action. Lo Gozru Allah Benesh Mashot. Then they were not Gozer on that Benesh Mashot. So now you have a roof. Eruv has to be present and in place at Benash Mashot. After that, if it gets eaten and so on and so forth, it still is considered to be a residence because it was there at Benash Mashot. At Benash Mashot, the Rabbi tells us that no Dine Durabanan apply. All restrictions to Durabanan are suspended during Benash Mashot. That's a time that it's a fake. Whether it's Lila or not, the Rabbanim will only go there, only put their positions in place once we know that it's Badai Lila, once we know that it's for certain nighttime. So the, at the time that the Eruv is being established, there is no Dine Durabanan. There's no Dine Durabanan. You're in the Shutter Abim and your object's in a Carmelite. You have access to it at the time of the Benesh Mashot. So that's the answer. The answer is that everything's happening at Benesh Mashot. At Benesh Mashot, the Eruv takes effect and the Dine Durabanan is suspended. So therefore you, in Rishut Rabin can go get your object from the Carmelite at Benish Mashot, and therefore it's a good Eruv. It says, Don't say I'm just pushing you up and just giving you a difficult answer. I'm telling you, this is the case. It's not. We have a Mishnah. You have some sort of puddle in the Rishut Rabin, and the public traverses that puddle. If you throw an object for a moat through that puddle, you're going to be chayav as if you carried for a moat in a rishuta rabim. What is classified to be a puddle that the public will traverse? That is, as long as it's less than 10 tefachim, the public will traverse it. Just in terms of what a rakak is, Rashi, interesting over here, goes to gravila, and water floats on top of that which I would assume means gravel, upon which water is floating. So that's the puddle that we're speaking about over here, just based on Rashi saying. It's giving a description of what this, this puddle is that we're talking about in the Shut Rabim. Then the Mishnah continues and says, Rakak Abim po, a puddle of water that the public traverses, has the Tochot if you throw four amot in that, Chayav. So the Mishnah, which we're going to see later on in the Mesechta and Dafkuf, repeats itself twice. It says twice, that if you have a puddle, which the, the Rabim, the public traverses, then you are chayav if you do something that is a sur and reshut the Rabim. So the obvious question is, why does it have to mention it twice? So Gemara says, Bishlama rakak, rakak, zimne. I'll tell you why the Mishnah mentioned puddles twice. Chad bimotachama, v'chad bimotachshamim. One is for the summertime and one is the wintertime. V'tzricha, and we need both of those. Diashminam bimotachama, if you only told us about the summertime, Davide inche the kruri nafshayu. It's hot outside, and they want to cool themselves off. So they're willing to walk through the puddle in order to cool themselves off. Therefore, the Rabim, the public, traverses these types of puddles. In the wintertime, where it's already cold outside, nobody wants to go into the water. So maybe there we would say no. If you only told us about the wintertime, he's already dirty. The road is muddy. There's already water everywhere. He's already dirty. Why not just go through the puddle? No worse. He's not going to be any more dirty. He's already dirty. Where you're dry and you're clean, lo, then he wouldn't be willing to enter into the puddle and become all muddy and dirty. So tricha. So that was why the Mishnah mentions Rakak twice, in case of Rakak. Why do you have to tell me twice that it's only considered to be part of the Shutter Abim 
if the Rabim, if the public traverses it. Why do I have to say that din twice? You gave me two dinim. One is that Rakaka Mayim is the puddle is considered like Rishut Rabim. And you also told me that it's only Rishut Rabim if someone traverses it. So you gave me two dinim twice. Rakaka, I understand. I explained that. Now, once is for the winter time, once is for the summer time. But why do you have to tell me twice that it's the Rabim that traverses it? That's what makes it into a public domain. El Alav you know, you must conclude from that that Walking, which is not exactly your normal walking, it's somewhat difficult, that is considered to be walking. Utility, that is not the normal way to use it. So Rav approves from that Mishnah that only when you have walking or traversing, which is somewhat difficult, out of the ordinary, there we still consider it to be walking through or part of the public domain. But when we're talking about utility or utilization of an area, then utility is only if it has ease of use. It doesn't have ease of use, then it's not considered to be utility. And that's Rav's distinction. Rav says, when you're talking about a projection that comes out of the Rishut Rabim upward, that is nine Tvachim high, that's easily utilized, and therefore it's a part of the Rishut Rabim. When you're talking about a guma, when you're talking about a ditch or a bore that's nine Tvachim deep, that is not easily utilized. And since it's not easily utilized, it does not become a part of the Rishut Rabim. And that's why he argues on Rav Yosef, who says that the guma, nine Tvachim deep, has the same din as the object that is nine Tvachim high in the Rishut Rabim. Okay, now we move on to a new topic. I remember of Yehuda. Hi, Zirza Dekani. If you have a bundle of sticks, staffs, canes, Rama Vizakve, Rama Vizakve, and you roll it in Rishut Rabim, roll it lengthwise. So what you do is you pick it up, it's standing on end, it's up high, then you flip, you knock it over, and then you roll it again. You keep rolling it in that manner. Then, Lo Mechayev, you will not be Chayev Ad Akerle, until you actually lift it off the ground. Because the rolling of the object is not considered to be akira. It never leaves the ground. Since it never leaves the ground, you've never done a proper akira over here. Since you've not done a proper akira, you cannot be chayav in Rishut Rabim. Your question is, what happens if they don't do it on the lengthwise? For the lengthwise, if they only roll it, say, horizontally. It's on the bundle side, and you just keep rolling it through the Rishut Rabim. Over there, you'll be chayav. Now, Tosot explains the difference between them. And that is because when you flip it, based on the vertical side, you flip it, you upright it, knock it down, upright it, knock it down. Over there, the rods or the canes or the staffs are long enough that they are more than Dalad Amot. They're more than four Amot long. So being more than four Amot long, it means that when it lands, it still has part of it in the original Dalad Amot, and the new head is already entered into the next Dalad Amot. So then when you flip it again... You're already flipping it with, you're in the new Dalada mode already, and then you're starting again. Whereas if you rolled it horizontally, it says, Because when you go into the new Foramot, there's still part of it that's in part of the old Dalada mode, because it's long enough that it extends over two sections of Dalada mode. And therefore you're never really moving it, because it's always still in the older Dalada mode, and then when you enter the new one, you're creating new Dalada modes each time, extension of the Dalada mode because of the length of it. But he says, on the other hand, if you were Milgalgel, then you would be Chayab, because then you would actually move from inside of Dalada mode to outside of Dalada mode. That's what Tosfut explains. They're all moving at the same time. Right, he says, Aval Milgarer, Zirzad, Bevatachat, if you did it in one shot. Ad chutz and you got them all out of the dollar amot. Oh, mishuti yichid mishuti rabim chayav. If you moved it from mishuti yichid to mishuti rabim, you'd also be chayav. As long as when the, when you did it, all the staff, the whole bundle moved from one area to the other area. So if you're able to move the entire bundle, then you would be chayav. If you're not able to, rolling is not good because 
you're constantly, you're, the minute you roll, you leave the right, right. right. You're moving them, all of them out of the Dalai Ramot. So what happens if you kind of walk it? Right, so the Tosu talks about Migarer. If you drag him in one shot, then it would be chayav. So the difference is whether, if you drag it where the object just pulls along, then you're not chayav because it's not, right, there's no akira, it's not leaving the daramot. If you drag it in a, in a, a way that it leaves, the whole object leaves in one shot. Again, dragging would make a difference which direction it's facing. If it's lengthwise and you drag it, you're going to be potur, because you can't get it out. If it's horizontal and you drag it, then you're going to be chayev, because you can get all of them out of the Dalaramot in one shot. Dragging will have the same din as this, standing it, flipping it, standing and flipping it, because it's working in the same way, which is that you don't have a proper akira here. The only way to get a proper akira is if you can move the whole object in one shot. Alright, so now, Amar Mar, Adam Omer Aliskopa, so a person stands, just going back to what we saw earlier, back on Davav by the Tosefta. person stands on the threshold. No tell me balabait, no He can interact with the balabait back and forth. No tell me aniv, no lo. He can work with the anivs and the shutarabim and work with him. So he can work with the shutarabim or the shutarabim because he is in a makom tour. So how is scopa my? What is this scopa? What is this threshold that we're talking about? Ilemus scopa to shutarabim. If we're talking about a threshold that is part of the shutarabim, as Rashi explains now, kagoni scopa mavui sheinalea tikra does not have a roof over it. We mentioned this back by the Tosefta. There it's not clear that this is the case. Here Rashi mentions the idea that if it's not roofed. If it's roofed, we know that it's not considered a shutarabim. It's not three tvachim off the ground, and the lechi is inside of it. The lechi is beyond, or the doorway to the mavui is past that point. That's his scope with shutarabim. Then no tell me balabait. How could you take from the balabait? That's a full-fledged shutarabim. And you can't interact with the balabait is in the Rishut Yachid. So what do you want to suggest here? That it's a Rishkopet Rishut Yachid. Either it's roofed, or it's inside of the Lechi. Or it's ten Tfachim high by four wide. It has whatever criteria would make it into a threshold that is part of the Rishut Yachid. Then no tell me Ani, how could you interact with the Ani? Then you're taking something from Rishut Yachid into Rishut Yachid. Ella? Iskopat Karmelit. Talking about a Karmelit, an area of the Rabbanan. So, Notel Benotain Lechatchila. How could you, Lechatchila, interact either with the Balabait or the Ani? That's a Karmelit. It's a Rishut Rabbanan that you're restricted from moving back and forth between. Sof Sofi, Sura Miyaita. There's still an Easter there. How could you say Lechatchila? Go ahead and interact with them. Ella Iskopa Makom Tur. Ba'almahu. Has to be that it's a Makom Tur, which we explained originally, but here the Gemara comes to the conclusion. Kagon. Delepe Dalad al Dalad. It has less than by 4x4. Four by four. So less than 4x4 four four makes it that it's not a Karmelit. And it has to be higher than 3 Tfachim. Here the Gemara does not qualify it. There in the Gemara in Eruvin it does qualify it. And it has to be above 3 Tfachim to separate it from the Rishut Rabim. Because we said before, anything that is below 3 Tfachim becomes part of the Rishut Rabim. So it has to have a minimum of 3 Tfachim high. And then less than 4x4. Four Less than 4x4 four four takes it out of being a Carmelite. It was 4x4 four four to already be a Carmelite. So it has to be less than 4x4 four four and above 3 Tfachim in order to be classified as a Makom Tur. This is similar to what we heard from Dimi in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Makom, she'in bo'dal al-dal Tfachim. 
Mutar the bnei reshut yachid ul of bnei reshut rabim the katef alaf. Both sides can rest their objects on it, can utilize it. As long as they don't pass back and forth, as long as they don't use it as a way to move between reshut yachid and reshut rabim. Even though technically it's allowed, we don't want you doing that because of the danger that people will stop using the object and just go straight back and forth between reshut yachid and reshut rabim. Amar bar. Ubavad, Shaloi told me balabait, notain the ani, umayani, notain the balabait. So let's back to the Tosefta. Tosefta says you can interact with the ani and the Rishut Rabim. You can interact with the balabait and the Rishut Yachid. What you're not allowed to do is move an object from one to the other. Vim natal v'natan, shloshtam p'turim. If you actually do it, as we said now before, you're patur, because there is no chiyuv. This isn't a Rishut right? That's not a Rishut Rabbanan. So let me have you to the should be a problem to Rovo. Dama Rovo, Mavir Chefetz Mitchila Dalit, the Sov Dalit Bishut Rabim. Avalpishiviru Derech Alyo Chayav. Even though you moved it, and here is a Machoket Rashi and Tosfot, exactly what you did, you are Chayav. So now Rashi claims what you did was he raised the object above ten Tfachim. He picked up an object, moved it above ten Tfachim, moves out Amot, and now places it down. So now you went through a Makom Ptur. You move the object from the beginning of Rishut Rabim, Akarit Rishut Rabim, Makom Tor, down in Rishut Rabim. Our Tosefta here says, if you move from a Rishut Rabim to a Makom Tor, to Rishut Yechid, you're Patur. How come Rova says, you're Chayob over here when you pass through a Makom Tor? So the Gemara answers, Hatam Monach, Hochanach. There's a big difference. Over there, when you move the object, it was always in motion. You lifted it out of the Rishut Rabim, moved it through the Makom Tor and put it down the Rishut Rabim, but it never stopped. It was always in motion. Over here, the person who's standing on the Scopa, you pass the object to them, they're stationary on the Makom Tor. Exactly. There's an Ocha and then a new Akira from the Makom Tor. In Rav's case, there's only one Akira from Rishut Rabim and an Ocha from Rishut Rabim. The Makom Tor has no relevance over here. That's the way Rashi learns it. Tosfot says, V'lon Nehiro. Dim Kain, Havalei the Mifrach, Mirabonon. He says, if that's the case, you should ask the question on the Rabbanan. Why is the question only on Rava? Even the Rabbanan agree that above ten Tfachim is a Makom Tur. So why is the question unique to Rava? If that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Makom Tur. Everybody agrees above ten Tfachim and Rishud Rabim is a Makom Tur. So those what says, L'kach nira k'perush arach. Rabbeinu l'chana now, t'mefaresh t'sheviru derech alyo, t'sheviru l'fanav neged gufo. He moved it in front of his body. He basically stood still, put his right hand out, picked up the object. He now moves the object in front of him, and then passes it to his left hand and puts it down, Daladamot, on his other side. There is no anacha, but you passed in front of your body. So the question, or what would have been, is that Gemara is assuming now, since you moved your arms in front of yourself, that should be the equivalent of stopping, or as if you stopped. Because you moved to, from being stretched out to in front of you. So that should be the equivalent of stopping when you pass. So you pass from your right to left hand. At that point, it should be equivalent of stopping. The Gemara says, no, that's not the case. Because you're never really stopping. You're just moving the object all the way across, and you never become stationary and have an anacha. So that's the difference between them, and that's the way the Rabbeinu Hananel explains the case of Rava. If you move something with your right hand to your left hand across the Furamot, you're going to be chayav. Even though you technically might have stopped in the middle, or it looks like you're stopping in the middle, that's not the case, because you're in a continuum. You never really stop when you move it past the front of your body. If you do stop, you place it down, or if you start up again, then you would be in a Makom Tur, and it would have the same din as the Iskopa, of where a person standing on the threshold and moving it back and forth, where you're in a Makom Tur, you'll be Patur of Al-Asur. You're not allowed to do it, but you're not Chayam Midoraita, because you moved through a Makom Tur. Okay, we'll stop over here.